welcome to Healthy Perspectives with Jeremiah, a podcast that brings you current social and cultural issues through a clinical lens. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Rumble, YouTube, all kinds of places to look for us. Please like and subscribe on any of them or all of them. We also love interacting with our audience, so join us on all the social platforms such as LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and many more. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Thanks again so much for joining us. Uh, it's good that you're joining us. I, I have been watching over the last few weeks and uh, not really sure why, but let's just say it's a good thing because, um, you know, this this thing that I do here as a hobby, uh, just trying to make sure that I'm helping people to the best of my ability is, um, you know, getting a little more attention again. Um, you know, there's there's obviously ebbs and flows in this kind of stuff. But whatever's happening out there, I just want to be uh, real transparent with you and say thanks. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Whatever it is that you're doing. I know the quality is much better on the podcast than on the videos. So for those of you watching, uh, I know it's not ideal, uh, but it's what I've got. You know, as, as a, uh, a hobby, uh, this is, you know... <laughs> the best that I can do at the moment. And as I learn more and I grow more, um, I will hopefully be able to improve on those platforms, which I'm talking about Rumble and YouTube right now. So uh, today I've got an interesting topic, I think. Uh, it was posed to me by a listener and it was uh, it's something that I think is, is definitely worthy of some of our attention. And so today I'm going to be talking about what is reality, right? Like, we talk about reality, we talk about fantasy all the time, but what is reality? Now, I know y'all are like, oh gosh, this is such an easy one. And uh, I hope to make it interesting for you and potentially even add some nuggets because every time I, I come in here and try to put something together, I'm really trying to make a difference and help you understand something in a new way. And so to that end, uh, what I would really like to do is make sure that this is not just super boring. So I'm going to start with definition because, you know, get the boring stuff out of the way. Reality. Things as they actually exist. Okay, well, that makes sense. Does that mean, does that, mean that your perception, I mean, your perception actually exists. Does that fall into reality? We're going to address that. Uh, you know, we're going to we're going to address a few things that are interesting, like can fantasy be healthy? Uh, we are are, are going to also take a look at, you know, where fantasy could be healthy, if it could be healthy um, and when like that kind of stuff. But reality exists whether you like it or not. You can call something reality, but that doesn't make it reality. Just because I say, well, it's my perception. I mean, that makes your perception a part of the reality, but your perception could be whack. It could be so whack. It could be way out there, way out there. And if it is, this is a shout out to you. I'm going to help hopefully you get grounded in reality, not 
your reality, but the actual reality. And I'll help you understand that too. So let's talk about fantasy for real quick. I want to define that because when we look at one side, we got to, we got to balance it with the other. So the other side is the, with fantasy, it's the faculty or activity of imagining things and especially things like that are impossible or improbable. So, you know, once upon a time, it was a fantasy to go to the moon. It was improbable and it became possible. Now, not everybody gets to go to the moon. So for many people, it's still a fantasy. It's not a reality. You know, we don't know how to live on the moon, really. Like we can sustain life up there in, you know, little pods for a while. But at some point, we've got to get them supplies or bring them back. And so there's even within the realm of things moving from fantasy to reality, there are going to be limitations. Now, if we're in reality, we understand those limitations, which I'll get to as well. But before we do all of that, I'm going to give you look, it's a clinical thing. Right. Like I, I, I'm here to give you perspective uh, and, and help you learn and grow and hopefully uh, do better at your day to day as a result. So how good would I be if I didn't give you some insight into what we call the DSM, uh, the Diagnostic and Statistics Manual? Now, we are on edition number five. And that's important to say. Because the realities that were painted in one, two, three, and even four were super different than the realities we paint in five. And I say that because there's millions of people diagnosed with things like anxiety disorders and uh, personality disorders and, you know, just all kinds of stuff that's going on out there. But over time, things change. Now, one area that I can point to that's really obvious and really clear for this is I can point to ADHD. ADHD is kind of on the move again. It happens from time to time. And uh, <laughs> I got to tell you, I, I am. Mm, OK, so I, I'm putting something up on the screen for those of you who are following on Rumble and, and YouTube. Ignore it for just a moment. Uh, ADHD is a little sidebar that I wasn't planning to take, but I'm going to take. A hundred years ago, in 1923, the world was still primarily an agricultural world. We were moving into the industrial era, but primarily agricultural. ADHD. ADHD is about attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Well, there's some side effects to ADHD. It comes with really high le levels of energy. And some of you may have heard me say this before. I don't know. I'm actually not really sure if I've talked about this. But that side effect, if you reverse in time 100 years, it wasn't a disorder at all. ADHD would not have been diagnosed. It would have been sought after. People would have looked for it. Why? Because if you come with really high energy and you're working on a farm, 
And you can focus enough to get your body doing what it's supposed to be doing, which, by the way, for somebody with ADHD, doing those uh, tactile things like, I don't know, uh, bucking hay or, you know, uh, you know t- uh, going out and getting a field ready for planting. You know, those are activities that somebody with ADHD, their mind can wander all over the place and they can still be working hard and they have lots of energy. So in a, you know, a 10 to 12 hour day on a farm, a person with ADHD is going to get two hours of extra productivity just because their energy level is higher. When one is walking, the other one is jogging. So we used to pick our spouses, our loved ones based on them having ADHD. We just didn't know it because it wasn't diagnosed in the early 1900s. That's how things change. And new information can lead to new decision-making. I'm telling you that because that's part of reality. And we're going to get into that in greater detail here in a little bit. But let's get right after it. Up on the screen, we have here something I'm going to show you. I did a little research before I put this podcast together, and I did this so that those of you who are joining on video, you don't have to just stare at my face the whole time. You're probably reading the screen going, oh my gosh, he's got things up about borderline. That's not the point. The point is this little find square right here, and what I did was I came in and I put in the word F-A-N-T-A-S, and I looked at the numbers. Now, every version of fantasy And then I did every version of reality because those two are interlinked, uh, whether we like it or don't like it. They are interlinked uh, terms. And when I searched for fantasy, uh, it appears the word fantasy appears six times, as you can see if you're watching along. But versions of it, different versions of it appear. uh, What is it? uh, 57, 89, 59 times in the DSM. Now, this is the DSM. I've got a PDF version of the DSM, uh, and that can be accessed online if you're looking for it. It's not hard to find. Uh, But please remember, little sidebar, uh, a a trained professional understands this content and how to apply it. So just because you can read it doesn't mean, oh, you know everything, because there's a lot to diagnosis and treatment, a lot. And uh, so be careful. I mean, I, I'm not saying be afraid. Don't be afraid. Read this stuff. Go, go for it. You know, but, but be careful because it's super easy to diagnose yourself with things that aren't real. They're not real. They fall in the other category, the fantasy. Um, and I don't want you to fantasize about having disorders. That's not a good spot to be in. So please don't do that. Uh, all right. The DSM-5 has, uh, you know, but almost less, a little less than 60 times. Um, but when you compare, uh, w- or actually when you do fantasy and reality, uh, it comes out to 118 references. Now that's a big deal. I'll get into a little bit of that later on. So that's one thing that I did. I just kind of wanted to see how prevalent is the term fantasy reality. Like we, we want to know that. And here's the most interesting part. So as I did this, I went ahead and hit enter, and then it starts highlighting for me. And I'm going, oh, paranoid personality disorder. Uh, okay, so we, we go through and you know, got, you got schizotypal personality disorder. So I wrote down some of the list. 
here's where it shows up. Okay. So you've got schizotypal, that paranoid personality disorder stuff falls under the schizophrenia, psychotic disorders. You got fetishtic, fetishtic, it's fetish disorder. <laughs> my, my words are leaving me. Uh, and gender dysphoria is where fantasy shows up. It, you know, any version of the word fantasy, and, and I'm starting with fantasy, I'll get to reality a little bit later. Uh, fantasy also shows up in transvestic disorder, PTSD, uh, I already did that one, bipolar, OCD, uh, female sexual uh, interest and arousal disorder, male hyperactive, hypoactive sexual desire disorder, gender dysphoria, paranoid personality disorder. Okay, and then a list goes on and on and on, but let's be real. It all, not all, uh, the vast majority of the references fall under the sexual disorder area, which is the paraphilic, uh, paraphilic disorder sections. That would be any unusual sexual fantasy. Okay, so fantasy shows up a lot within sexual content. Okay, I'm thinking that makes sense. But then I started going, well, why does it show up in PTSD? I quickly discovered that it's because in PTSD, there can be a break from reality, much like in schizophrenia or psychotic disorders, schizotypal. Uh, it, it, can, it can be... Uh, a, a bizarre fashion a fascination with fantasy. Um, and that can be an issue or a fear in some cases, like with PTSD that can happen. So what does that all mean? You might be wondering. I mean, look, it means that for the most part, our fantasy world, when the DSM-5 was written, was about sexuality. But now, I think we could argue something much, much different. I think the emphasis has shifted. And I think when the DM, DSM-6 comes out, and I don't know when that's going to happen. They, I don't know. It looks like every 10 to 15 years we get a new one. We'll see if they stay consistent. Uh, but I think what's going to happen is we're going to see more of the gender dysphoria section be expanded on because we see fantasy big time, not just in schizophrenia or psychotic disorders, but big time through the gender dysphoria stuff. And so they're going to probably zoom in on that would be my prediction. Now, again, I'm not on the panel, uh, but I cannot imagine a scenario where they can ignore the reality, which is there has been a massive focus in terms of fantasy in that particular category. And they're going to need to take a look at it and probably try to determine what is reality. Because what's in reality is good and healthy and perceptively fine. And what's in fantasy, uh, clearly based on this list, can be problematic in a hurry. So I then turned my attention Oh, by the way, uh, a little sidebar again. I know I'm doing a few of those today. I might, I might do a couple more. Actually, I know I'll do at least one more. Um, borderline personality. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and grab. Hold on a second. Ugh. I'm going to go ahead and grab 663 in the DSM. Uh, I'm going to read to you something that is kind of important because borderline personality really was where fantasy and reality sort of had a tough time. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paint this for you. Because 
uh, with attachment. Borderline has to do with attachment. In the DSM, it's the probably the best tool, unfortunately, because I think we need to expand in this area. So if anybody who's in charge of the DSM panel hears this, please take a look at attachment stuff and put more options for therapists because to diagnose somebody with borderline can be one of those lingering diagnoses. So I try not to as a therapist. The last thing I want to do is put something on somebody that they can't shake later on if they figure themselves out. All right. That being said, uh, number one in the borderline personality disorder is frantic efforts to avoid real or imagined abandonment. This is the closest we have to an attachment disorder diagnosis. And unfortunately, in some cases, it gets underused because of people like me who know the stigma that can come with it. And with other people, it probably gets overused because it's the only attachment disorder that we really have that's on the books. There's other things we can like sort of hide it in, uh, but it's, it's a challenge. Whereas this one's pretty clear cut an attachment issue because it talks about abandonment directly. Now there are other options. There's just not a number of them and we could use some that have less stigma to them so that we don't harm clients by accident with a diagnosis. Cause that's the last thing as a therapist we want to do. We do not want to harm people. So keep that in mind. Uh, it is an attachment disorder. So if you are diagnosed with borderline, then there's a pretty good chance Actually, there's a very good chance that you have some fantasy attachment in your mind that you cannot achieve. You can't cheat. You can't do it because it's a fantasy and you're not living at least, at, you know, a, within attachment. Uh, and I'm not talking about all other areas, but within the attachment process, you're not living in reality. You're living in a fantasy, unfortunately. So. Just putting that out there, I could get into details about some, several of the other diagnoses, but I want to move on to reality because this today is about what is reality. It appears 47 times. It appears in things like antisocial personality. It appears in borderline, schizotypal, uh, attenuated uh, psychosis syndrome. Um, they grasp reality. They Okay, so I'm going to break this down for you. They grasp reality, but they hallucinate they have delusions or the disorganized speech. That's a big deal. Bipolar, it shows up in borderline, PTSD, dissociative symptoms, which are dissociation is a break from reality. Like if you're, I mean, technically, if you're driving down the freeway and your mind takes you to your house in your mind, you're dissociating. Like technically that's a dissociation. Now some dissociations are healthy. I mean, not unhealthy. But I don't know that they're really healthy because they're not living in the moment. So it's hard to argue that they're super healthy. Uh, but there is some dissociation. Like when I do mindfulness and I take somebody to a beach, but we're in the mountains. That's dissociation. And that's not unhealthy because it helps slow the heart rate, slow the breathing, pay attention to the here and the now, even though our minds may go somewhere else. So dissociation, for those of you who see that as a really big negative, it's not always a really big negative, all right? When we get stuck in a dissociation, that's a negative, all right? So uh, I'm gonna come back to this. Uh, many references of reality in the DSM, matter of fact, 23 of the 47 references to reality 
23 of them, almost half, are specifically reality testing. So what does that mean? That means in the mental health world, there is a, an emphasis on testing somebody's ability to be an accurate reporter and live in reality as opposed to in fantasy. That is really important content. So let's go into the, 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 what this means. Um, when I'm looking just at the data, I know this is a little geeked out for some of you, but I'm going to give you a little bit more data because uh, it's kind of interesting data, in my opinion, when we're looking at reality. So I told you fantasy and reality is mentioned 118 times in the DSM. Now, one might argue that that means it gets a fair amount of attention. But then we look at forms of emotion. Um, the word emotion, emotions, stuff like that. 326 references. So that's quite a bit more. But remember, a lot of diagnoses have to do with emotional regulation, which I recently did a podcast on. And then we go, okay, so I, I went down this path and I said, you know what? I'm kind of curious. I want to look up compulsive and the variations of compulsive because compulsive is definitely problematic. When we are compulsive, uh, you know, where we, we, we cause problems, we cause wake that's uh, damaging to relationships and to situations and 364 references. I'm going, hmm, that's not a whole lot more. And then I look at trauma because I'm, I'm, I'm just going, okay, I'm just going to go down this rabbit hole for a minute. Traumas mentioned 426 times. All right, that's up there. And then I look at specific emotions. Something like sad, sadness. You want to know something funny? 42 references. 42. That's like a third, about a little more than a third of the references to fantasy and reality. I'm going, okay, that means fantasy itself outnumbered it and reality by itself outnumbered it. So then I go anger. Anger is a big one. We do, you know, therapists are talking about anger all the time. How about some self-control there, mister, right? Anger, 120, 120 references of words related to anger, 120. And I'm going, that is pretty much a straight across comparison. That means fantasy and reality is a massive, massive look when it comes to therapeutic content. We have to pay attention to it as therapists because if a person is not functioning in reality, that's a problem. That's a, that's a big problem. So then I looked at addiction. I went, hmm, let's just, I mean, for giggles, let's just take a look at addiction shockingly 56 references total in the different forms of addiction. I was like mind blown. Couldn't believe it. So <clears throat> what does this, what does this mean? Well, you've heard me say it before the three blind people approach the elephant. One reaches around, it's big and oh, it's heavy and it's prickly and wrinkly. And others like, well, it's big and it's prickly and wrinkly, but it's not heavy. And another's like, oh, no, it's thin and it's got a bushy thing at the end. And dang it, it sort of smells bad. They are all looking at the same thing. 
but they can't see with their eyes. So they're describing what's in front of them. They're describing an elephant. One's at the leg, one's at the trunk, one's at the tail. Now that's important because they all see, metaphorically, because they're blind, uh, they're, they're experiencing, they're, they're, they're touching because you know they're blind, they're using other senses, and they're smelling, and they're listening. Brr, they hear that, they run. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Okay, bad joke. My bad. Um, so the three, the three blind people standing by the elephant, they all have a sense of reality, but not one of them has the whole picture. Well, the same is true for you and me, which is why in the past, not too far in the past, I did an entire episode on blind spots. Blind spots are those areas where we cannot see ourselves and our interaction in the world. For instance, I will never know, and neither will you, what the room is, well, put yourself in my position if you're going to do this. Well, I'll just tell you my reality. I will never know what a room is like without me in it. Why? Because as soon as I enter the room to see what the room is like without me in it, I'm in it. So I can't know what change I bring to the room personally. But what I can do is get feedback. Hey, when I enter a space, does it shift the environment at all? And then people can tell me their reality of my presence. Hopefully that makes sense because that's a blind spot. So if we are going to be truly humble and based in reality, we have to understand we have limitations. And within those limitations, we have to get curious because the reality is there's way more that you won't know than you do. So being curious helps us stay, uh, you know, in reality. Whereas if we get, if we get to the point and I see this often on social media, if we get to the point where we think we know, uh, chances are, that's about the time we're going to start feeling like an idiot. And trust me, I have been an idiot many times. So don't be an idiot. Understand your blind spots are going to exist and that you have to stay curious and on top of it to continue the growth and understanding of your blind spots. And they shift. They shift over time, right? If I'm, you know, if I'm teaching in a classroom, I'm going to get information about my teaching in a classroom. If I'm doing lectures in a... Uh, or uh, guest speaking engagements, that's a different scenario. And I'm going to have new blind spots there. And if I'm doing a podcast, I'm going to have new blind spots. And so I'm going to have to constantly be learning because the environment around me is also shifting. Not just me, my own personal growth, but the environment around me will also shift. So new information and situations require re-examination. Because what we think we know is likely to shift. This, just so you know, is why I don't fault people for changing their views. I just don't. But people change views all the time. Why? Uh, new information. 
new information comes in, uh, they realize something about themselves or about their, their environment or their, you know, somebody else. And they go, Oh, well, if I had known that I probably would have taken on a slightly different view. So where I thought I knew what I was talking about, clearly I didn't know what I was talking about. And because of that, I'm going to change my mind now. That's okay. I have no problem with that. Where I run into the, the challenge as a therapist is if a person changes their mind, they ought to be able to articulate what changed that made them change their mind. What new information came in? What did they learn about themselves or their environment or you know somebody around them? And this, in my opinion, is one of the areas in our culture here in the United States where we suck. We just suck. We want to be right today and we want to be right yesterday and a year ago and 10 years ago and a year from now and 10 years from now. And the truth is you can't do that. It's just not possible. You cannot do it. 100% guarantee you this. You cannot do that. Can't do it. Sorry for those of you who have big egos. This is probably going to hurt, but you can't do it if you're going to live in reality. Because if you look back at your life 10 years ago, you were an idiot. And let's be real. If you were not an idiot, then you still are an idiot. Okay. That was really not nice of me. And I know I'm a therapist. I'm supposed to be nice. But let me tell you something that's more important than me being nice about it me helping you see reality. Because the sooner that happens, the better off all of us are. The better off you are, the better off I am. I don't want to be an idiot. So I accept the reality that 10 years ago, I was, in comparison to what I am now, I, I was a turd. I was a stinky, smelly, no good turd. In 10 years from now, I should look back at right now and say something similar. That doesn't mean I don't have value today. It doesn't mean I didn't have value 10 years ago. I did. I had a lot of value. And so did you. What it means is that I'm growing. I'm developing. I'm seeing myself and others more clearly. I'm seeing my environment more clearly. I'm getting more grounded in reality as opposed to wandering off on the path of fantasy. That path is terrible. So things like, I don't know, schizotypal, tough, tough road for people who struggle with that. Like, please can't get based in reality. If you can find a way, I'm not saying that all fantasy is bad, but let me also remind you that, let me see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, you just heard me count, which is boring, 13 of the areas in the DSM that highlight fantasy out of 1, 2, 3, 4, out of 17 categories, 13 out of the 17 categories where it highlights fantasy is in human sexuality. That should be a wake-up call to how fantasy can become unhealthy in a hurry. Because let's be real, when it comes to human sexuality, 
here in the United States, it's a decline right now. We're not, we're not on the, the uprise. We're, we're on the fall. Uh, and it doesn't take a whole lot to figure that out. When we look at the different diagnoses, the different things going on. By the way, I did not put gender in that 13 out of 17 because it's, it's a different category than sexuality. So keep that in mind. So as new information comes in, you know, make a, make a new decision and expect that people are going to resist your change because that's what they do. Uh, it makes it important that you understand why you're making the change. So that I don't necessarily have a problem with the resistance to a degree. Um, but the denial that we can change, that's just ridiculous. You got to change. You have to do it. Like it's, it's so important for our, our, our world. I'm a sidebar. I told you there was one more time. This is it. I want to talk real quick about perception and reality. Uh, I want to be really abundantly clear on this. Perception is not reality. I know you've heard all the quotes. Your perception is not reality. Your perception is a part of reality, but it is not reality. I can perceive a table as a swimming pool and I can go to jump in and I'm going to get a headache because my perception that it's a swimming pool is wrong. Perception is not reality. However, if you have a perception, your perception can be part of the reality. In other words, if you're walking around and let's say you thought that table was a swimming pool, then the reality in the environment around you is that somebody thinks that the table is a swimming pool. That's true. Somebody has the perception that the table is a swimming pool and they tried to jump in. It got a headache and that was a problem. Okay. Does that make sense? So perception is not reality, but a perception can be part of reality. Hope that clears that up a little bit. You're all probably going, oh my gosh, I don't like that because I really like the idea that my perception is reality. Um, you got to grow up because that's not. Sorry. I'm coming at you all kind of hard today. Hope, I hope you all are doing okay with this. I want to address another thing. Can fantasy be healthy? Because I know many of you out there, clearly based on our DSM, 13 out of 17, they're talking about sexual disorders, sexual uh, things, and fantasies fall into those categories. So at least in the category of human sexuality, I would suggest that many of you have fantasies. And the question is, can those be healthy? Well, let's wrestle with that for a second. I think having a, an imagination can be a good thing, right? Having a fantasy is not a bad thing, but it depends on what lines it crosses, right? You know, is it healthy for you to have a fantasy um, where you uh, cross-dress? I mean, I don't really care. But where it can become unhealthy is if you expect others to have the same fantasy because that's not reality. Some people think that that's not very cool. Some people think that that's great. So if you're forcing those onto other people, that becomes a problem. I'll give you another example. You are religious 
um, some people consider that a fantasy or an imagination. Okay. You know, so if we force religion onto people, that's a problem. But the fact that you're religious, not a problem. And in many cases, very grounding. So, and grounding in reality, right? Because principles of religion often teach reality-based content. Whether, whether you like that or don't like that, that happens. So can fantasy be healthy? Yeah. Yeah, I think in certain circumstances. When you're dreaming, you know, the, the whole dream world thing is really interesting. If you haven't, if you haven't studied that, go, go dig into that for a little bit. That's, that's a lot of fun. And in the dream world, all of the uh, concepts of gravity, uh, of you know, oxygen, um, the, the other reality-based things, grounding things, can be manipulated. You can walk underwater. You can float gently down to the ground with no apparatus attached to you. You can take off from the ground and fly into the sky. Clouds can turn into marshmallows. Uh, caves can turn into swimming pools. Like things can morph and turn into like, so the dream world suggests that fantasy is actually a part of what we need to do for processing. Like, let's have an imagination. Let's explore what it could be or, you know, maybe actually was. So we, we look back at it from a different vantage point called a fantasy. And we say, what are the other narrative options that there are that could be reality? And we explore them as a fantasy until one makes the most sense. All right. So, yeah. When we're brainstorming things, it can be help, helpful. Beyond that, though, I mean, your, your content has to be based in reality. We can go to the fantasy to help understand parts of reality, but we can't get stuck there because that, not healthy. So I'm going to switch gears. That was my sidebar because I just wanted to make sure that we addressed those things. I'm going to go back to today's reality determination. And uh, uh, this is how I'm going to summarize at the end pretty quickly. So this is all going to lead right into the summary. So hang in there with me. We're talking reality. What is the reality that we determine today? Um, we are in an information era. That is a reality. And within that information era, we're going, we're going to have access to content like we've never had before. We already do. You know, I just, uh, there's this uh, um, chat bot thing, and I got to do part of this testing on it. And like, I got to learn how a computer can actually make up stories really, really fast. And they're pretty good, unfortunately. I used it to create creativity. Um, to ask questions, to spark my mind, to think about things differently. Uh, but others are going to use it to create things to cheat. That's a reality. Um, in an information era, we can use technology to do a lot of stuff for us. Uh, we could get really, really lazy. That's a reality. It could happen very easily. Um, 
this information that's coming in can change how we look at ourselves and others really fast too. We can have a really good, healthy uh, sense of ourselves. And a moment later, literally a moment later, take in new information and feel like absolute garbage. We, that could happen because it's an information era and there's always information coming in. Distortions are easier right now to create than they have ever been, ever. That is a reality. And they're easier to buy into. For instance, I'll give you some examples. The number of LGBTQ. Based on the news cycle, we would think that it's half of our population. Uh, not even close. Does that mean that they don't deserve to be loved and cared for? Um, no. If you're heterosexual, does that mean that they don't believe to be, they, they don't, um, they shouldn't be loved and cared for? No. You know, but the number, the quantity, I mean, the media would have you believe that it's probably more than 50% of you. And it's not. That's reality. That's how distortions get created in an information era. Polit political party uh, and popularities. How many followers does somebody have? I mean, okay, I, those of you who follow me, you know I don't have a ton of followers. I mean, I, I get a fair number that listen, a fair number that follow, but uh, I'm not big time. Does that mean that what I have to say is not important? See, political popularity, politicians, would like you to believe that they have power and there is something called social power. I get that. But they, they have more power because they have bigger numbers. They fall into the number game. And truth be told, uh, you know, how many people followed Gandhi when he was walking the earth? How many people, how many, number-wise, how many followed Martin Luther King Jr.? How many followed Jesus Truth is, not as many as follow our politicians today. Does that mean that, I don't know, they're more powerful? <laughs> That's a funny one. Heck no. They are not more important than those people. They are not more powerful than those, those people. Martin Luther King Jr., Gandhi, Jesus, they all did more than any of the politicians that are in office today will ever do. Period. That's, I can't, it's just reality. Sorry. Dose of reality. How about distortions around uh, the protests in uh, Iran? Oh, wait, uh, only half of you have heard about that? Yeah, there's people protesting. Lives are being lost in Iran. I mean, what's the reality? for us in the United States, not getting a ton of publicity yet. So it doesn't enter our reality, but it is real. How about the Ukrainian war with Russia? 
I mean, some people are like, we should support. No, we shouldn't. We should support. No, we shouldn't. That's what we're hearing. What's reality? The reality is people are fighting for their country and dying. People are fighting to take over a country and dying. It's also reality that Ukraine used to be part of Russia. Reality. These are truths. These are reality. And yet, the way things are pushed toward you and me can create massive distortions that's easy for us to buy. January 6th was not an impressive showing. There was violence. There was destruction. That's a problem. That's a reality. Was it an insurrection? Some of you are going to say absolutely. And you would be biased. And some of you are going to say absolutely not. And you would be biased. Your perceptions are interfering with your reality. Or the reality. You know, as far as insurrections go, uh, that would have been possibly the lowest number of people involved in any insurrection in history. In a time where you can get a flash mob bigger than the group that showed up on January 6th. You could. That's a reality in an information era. And people know that. People know that. But through propaganda, rhetoric, demagoguery, things are manipulated on purpose. Like it, don't like it. I mean, it is what it is. That's reality. Police brutality. Sheer numbers. Sheer numbers. In an information era, how many are beaten and died? It should be zero. I, I agree with you, it should be zero. And I'm sure you're sitting there going, it should be zero. I agree. And how many? How many interactions are there with the police versus how many turn out to be mishandled in a significant way? Um, very small percentage. Now, it doesn't mean we shouldn't pay attention to it because the reality is during those times, it's really bad. That's not good. But what is reality? We can't ignore reality because we want it to fit our narrative because that's not reality. That's fantasy. As a summary, I'm going to leave you with this. The thing to do when you're looking for reality versus fantasy. As a therapist, I do this on a daily basis. It's called discernment. Look it up if you don't know it. It essentially means this, but study it. Don't just, don't, don't just hear me and accept it, please. Go and study the concept. It's the ability to see overall impact and impact over time. Overall impact and impact over time. That's discernment. That's, a, that's an important concept. Freud, I know, you're like, oh, go clinical on me. I am. He, he believed reality was based on, as he says, the ability of the mind to assess the external world and to act upon it accordingly. 
as opposed to acting on the pleasure principle. He said, I think it was him attempting to lean into you understanding your design. You have a mind. You have emotion. And a spirit. A spirit. A head, heart, and a soul. And if you don't understand that reality, then you're destined to live in fantasy. I hope this was interesting. Thanks for joining us. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Take a look at the details of our podcast for links to our website and other helpful information. 